Welcome to the Saturday version of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today we are in Acts 10 through 12. And as you recall, this man named Saul, that's got bars, has just been converted and he's going to be a missionary for the gospel message. But first, in these chapters, we get to see how Peter, remember Jesus Christ, before he ascends to heaven, gives Peter the assignment to care for the flock, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. And so Peter, you know, has this thing where he's all about the Jewish people, but God came for the world, and that includes the Gentiles. So Peter's about to get a lesson in that. So in chapter 10, Cornelius, a Roman officer, who is a devout, fearing, God-fearing man, that's how it's described in verse 2 of chapter 10, and was, as was everyone in his household, he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God, had a angel visit him and told him that he needed to summon Simon Peter, who was living with a tanner off the seashore at Joppa. And so Cornelius, being a God-fearing man, he sent some of his guys to Joppa to summon Peter just as God told him to because he lets Cornelius know that Peter has a message for them. So while they're on the track to go see Peter and summon him that Cornelius wants to see him. Now remember Cornelius is a Roman officer. That's Gentilian. He's a Gentile. He's not Jewish. So their law says they can never go into the house of a Gentile because I would make them unclean. They don't do that. So while Corn, uh, Peter sorry, is at home and he has no idea this has taken place, right? He goes up to the flat roof in his normal routine. He goes to his place to pray. And as he's praying at around noon, he falls into this trance, they say in the Bible. And in that, so the Holy Spirit comes over him, basically. And he sees the sky open up and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. So imagine that, a big white sheet, four corners are held. And in the sheet are all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds, and then a voice says to him, Peter, kill and eat them. So the voice from heaven, this is all in the spirit, says, Peter, kill and eat them. So we have to figure that's the Lord speaking, right? And here's what Peter does. 
remember when Jesus would tell Peter to do things or that he was about to do, he would always rebuke and say, no, I would never do that. And that's what he does here. No, Lord, capital L, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. So here the Lord is telling him to eat this, and he's saying no to God. <laughs> and he's saying, I'm not going to eat something that's unclean. But who made it? God made it, first of all. And now he's declaring, God is declaring it acceptable. And Peter's saying, but us, you know, in our flesh, we're saying it's unacceptable. And that's really what is going on here. God's saying, you know, sometimes we get in our own mindset who we think is acceptable in the flesh, who, what people, what ethnicity, what race, what, what kind of background, what kind of people, you know, and I'm dealing with that right now in another situation because of someone's history or background. Someone thinks they are either unacceptable or not, well, they think they're not acceptable. And I'm trying to show them that that might be their history, but you got to look at two different things. That history doesn't follow them right now. And what you deem as emergent doesn't necessarily mean that their emergencies might be different than what you call emergencies. And so... God says back to him, don't call something unclean if God has made it clean. So think about Peter. You know, Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So that took three times for him to get it. And then when it happens, he runs away weeping bitterly. And then Jesus, when he meets with him in John 21, remember we just had that, Jesus tells him three times, asks him three times, do you love me? And then reiterates to him, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep. So it's like he's pounding in there, take care of my sheep. Well, the Gentiles are his sheep too. At least they can be if they so desire, and we just got the description of Cornelius as being a God-fearing man, as was his family, and that he took care of the poor and prayed regularly to God. So that makes him someone who is accepting of who God is and wants to follow God, right? So Peter wakes up out of his little moment and he's like very perplexed and guess what as the holy spirit is there still the door knocks and there's three men down there waiting to get peter to come with them and the holy spirit says to peter while he's still puzzled over this vision he just had there's three men down there looking for you get up and go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So basically he's saying don't worry because those are those animals that were in the sheet that were lowered. And I want you to go with them. 
So when Peter goes downstairs, the first thing he says, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? And so they tell the story about how Cornelius had a vision and they were supposed to come get him. And and so here's what Peter does. You know, the angel said, go without hesitation. And And this is what strikes me. First thing he says is, you know, it's against the law. Well, the first thing he does is he said, okay, stay here for the night, and then we'll go. And so it's like, well, if you're supposed to go without hesitation, but okay, maybe it was late, and they don't want to travel at night because that's when raiders can come and get them, right? So the good thing is they stayed the night, they got rest, they left the next day. And while that's still a little bit hesitant, he at least went. So he went the next day and accompanied them to to the place. And he took some brothers with him from Joppa. They arrive at Cornelius' house, and the first thing he makes point of is you know it's against the law for me to come into your house because a Jew is not supposed to enter a man's house. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So he makes the point that he has got this revelation that this is okay, where the real thing is when he got there, Cornelius, this Roman, like, leader, you know, he's a commander in the army. Cornelius met Peter by falling at his feet and trying to worship him. And, of course, Peter says, stand up for I'm just a human just like you are. But then he, Peter makes a point to say, you know, I really shouldn't be in here. And I look at that and I say, look, this guy's got so much gratitude. Cornelius has so much gratitude that you're here. But then you think you still have to point out that, you know, really I shouldn't be here. You know, some things are better left unsaid. That didn't really have to be said. But this is in there. This is what he said. And I think that's in there for a reason to show that when the Holy Spirit is in the room, which is it is he is bigger than our fleshly weak tongues you know cuz i'm reading a book called life and death the power of words and those words could be deathly if they fall upon the right people but these people are so hungry that they are like okay whatever you know we just want to hear the message so People, uh, people at you know, the people say why they asked him here, and you know they share their visions, and Peter shares his, and uh, Cornelius shares his, and. Peter's response, you know, because Peter figures out now that God told Cornelius to 
get get Peter so he could hear a message, which Peter knows is the good news message, the message of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and that that whole vision with the sheet was so he would know it's good to go and he needs to go there because these are people that want to know about Jesus too. So Peter's response after they share visions is this. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Whew, finally. What if we got that through our mindsets today? That there's not a favorite way of worship. There's not a favorite way of doing communion. There's not a favorite way of witnessing. There's not a favorite way of evangelism. There's not a favorite way of doing church. There's not a favorite way of it's got to be this way or you're wrong. It's got to be this way or you're wrong. If you don't do it our way, we're leaving. What if we just realize that God just wants us to worship from the heart? Just like he told the woman at the well, we got to worship in spirit. And the way we worship in spirit is what our spirit leads. And my spirit might lead in a different way than your spirit leads because we don't have the same spiritual mindset. Ooh. And the spirit might lead us in different directions because he knows what our spiritual needs are. Because as Peter goes on and says, in every nation he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. That's what he's looking for. Those of us that know we need him and will do right to accept him. So Peter goes on and shares the gospel message with them. And the whole family gives their life to Jesus and accepts Jesus. And what's really cool is the whole time Jesus or Peter is speaking to them and they they repent and become followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit falls on them and they all get filled with the Holy Spirit too and they're all wowed by this. And Peter is and his brothers are like, man, that's so cool to see this. That's so cool. And so everybody's got the the saving power of God. They got the sanctifying power of Jesus. They got the infilling of the Holy Spirit and everything is good. So then Peter's like, well, you got the double blessing. Now let's be baptized in the name of Jesus, you know, dunked in the water. So they baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then Cornelius is so grateful to them, he asks Peter to stay for several days. And of course, Peter obliges that. So when Peter goes back, he gets criticized, first and all, because he went in the house of Gentiles. And he's getting criticized from the Jewish leaders, right? So Peter explains the vision he had with the sheep, the sheep and all the animals. And he's like telling them how Cornelius had his vision and it all came together. And he went and shared the grace and mercy, good news of Jesus. <laughs> and how they gave their lives to Jesus and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell on them and they all got the baptism and then filling of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's real, man. When people give their life completely to Jesus, they know it. All right. 
And so Peter says, here's what he says. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? I love that. I highlighted that because it's like, you know, when the Lord wants to move, we should not mess up the service. If the Holy Spirit is moving and people are coming to the altar and giving their lives to Jesus and they're, or they're, the moving of the Spirit is there and people are getting sanctified and getting inf, get an infilling of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to preach. We don't have to move on to the next song. We don't have to do anything. Just let the Holy Spirit move. And I, you know, I always pray, Lord, wreck the service because you know, it, it would be fine if the Holy Spirit just wrecks the place and all these people's lives are changed forever in a good way for the for the movement of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Peter's saying. Who am I to stand in his way? I'm not going to say, oh, you're not this or that. So, no, that's God's movement. You know, and people, I was just asked the other day, do you think so-and-so made heaven? And I'm like, you know, we weren't there at the end of his lifetime. That's not for us to judge. We know what his life before was like, but we weren't there at the end of his life. So it's not ours to judge, thankfully. That's for God to figure out. Only God knows in that person. And I'm not one to stand in God's way. And I'm so thankful for that. So... After he, after Peter explains all that and they heard all this, they stopped objecting and they actually started praising God because more people came to know Jesus. And they're like thinking, yeah, you're right, you're right. So the story shifts to all the other believers that were scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death and it talks about where they were scattered to and how they were sharing the, the gospel message because now they're in Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, Assyria, and some were even in uh, Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene and, and preaching to the Gentiles there about the Lord. And so the message is getting out. You know, It's just like Jesus told them to do, into the ends of the earth. And then we get... Uh, acquainted with Barnabas, who was a good man full of the Holy Spirit, strong in faith, and how he's bringing people to the Lord and how he teams up with Paul. This is critical because Paul and Barnabas will go on some mission trips together sharing the good news, and they'll do a lot. Paul, Barnabas, and Saul right now. Saul's name will soon change to Paul, okay, because the stigmatism that goes with Saul, remember he was the the one that persecuted Christians, will eventually get changed to Paul, and that's who writes two-thirds of our New Testament. So we close out in Acts 12 because Peter, you know, who's feeling good about himself probably, gets arrested because he's, Preaching the name of Jesus still. Him and James get arrested, but James is killed. James' brother, John's brother, he's killed with the sword. And when Herod sees how much the people love it, he's arranged for Peter to be killed the next day. 
But here's what happens while Peter is in prison. The church is praying earnestly for him. That's chapter 12, verse 5. And so while they're praying earnestly, think about this. We have this all-night prayer vigil. Let's just think of that. We're praying, praying, praying. And and I can think of some times where we had some people we were praying for, and we would pray without ceasing for them, and some amazing things happened for them, right? So while they're praying for him, Peter's in prison, and an angel comes and wakes him up and says, hey, come on. And as he wakes him up, the chains fell off his wrists, and the angel says, put your coat on, follow me. So he puts his coat on, follows him. The the prison door opens, and they walk out past the guard post who doesn't even know it. They walk out past the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened by itself, which is noted in the Bible. Uh, Acts 12, verse 10. And they passed through and started walking down the street, and then all of a sudden the angel's gone. So there's Peter in the middle of the street all by himself, free from the prison. Now, this is like the second time this has happened for him, right? And so when he finally realizes that he is free, he goes back to the home where everybody is praying, and he starts knocking on the door because they're doing this all night prayer vigil. But here's the thing. When we're praying, we should be praying with expectation because Jesus told us, pray anything you want in my name and believe and it will happen. So when Peter arrives, because it's happened, they prayed for his protection, they prayed for his freedom. He's free, right? The angel of the Lord has freed him, literally. And now he's standing at the door knocking because he's trying to get in. Well, when the servant girl goes to the door and hears his voice, she goes running back instead of opening the door because <laughs> she's so excited that he's there. And she's yelling, Peter's standing at the door. So here's what the people said. These are the people praying earnestly that Peter would be protected and set free, not killed the next day. Their response was, you're out of your mind. It's got to be an angel. People, if we go to the throne praying for things and we already are defeated in the prayer, how do we ever expect God to give us what we're praying for? How do we ever expect the miracle to take place? Here's what I can tell you. In this particular instance, God was not done with Peter, and God's mindset was bigger than the doubtfulness of these prayers. And when God answers the prayers, he's trying to show them that when we pray, things happen. But we got to pray with expectation and belief so that we know it will take place. Because the whole time they say this, Peter's outside still knocking on the door, waiting for them to open it. And finally they open it when he comes in. Everybody gets all excited and they're rejoicing. And Peter's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. And so they still got to finish what they were sent there for. See, Jesus told him he would be his witness to the Gentiles, and he didn't know it. We're going to go to all of Judea, all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
and it was just starting, so Peter still has work to do, so God didn't want it to be done yet. So he frees him. So the next day when Herod goes to get him out of prison, guess what? He's not there, right? So Herod is angry. So guess what happens to those prison guards? Yep, he executes them. So in the meantime, Tyre and Sidon, they have to work up some peace agreement with Herod because he's angry with them, and that's, you know, that's where they get their food. They need to get their food from there, from Herod and his people, right? So they have this delegation. They get the support of Blastus, Herod's assistant, and then they have this big hoorah for it. So Herod puts on his royal robe, goes out and sits on his throne so at the Colosseum, so to speak. And so he's sitting up on this, big stage and all the Roman people are sitting out there and they're giving him praise and the people start giving him this great ovation singing he's the voice of God not a man and this God is spelled G-O-D like small G-O-D well when God saw Herod was receiving the praise of the people and taking all the glory for what was being done there that upset God. So instantly an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to the real God, capital G-O-D. And Herod became consumed with worms and died. So the very person that was trying to kill Peter, not only did the people's prayers become answered instantly by Peter being freed, but Peter's nemesis that was trying to kill him was also taken out of the picture because he became sick and died and so the word of god continued to spread and many new believers come see here's what god does god has this amazing way of protecting us getting things out of the way for us and helping us see things go. And we have to be united in the effort with the united spirit. The first thing Peter had to do was get all the other brothers on page with him. And then instead of being, he was united instead of divided, and then good things started happening. And then when we pray, we gotta believe that it's really gonna come to be. And then God can use that and bring glory to his name, not some other man. So if we've got a divided spirit instead of united spirit, one, it's not going to work. And two, once we figure out who the glory really belongs to, great things will happen. So I'm praying for a united, not divided spirit and that the glory goes totally to God because there's a lot of people that need to see Jesus. And if we're united instead of divided, great things can happen. And so we get to see that right here through what Peter gets to see. And it took three times for him to see it again, but he got to see it. And we get to see it through this story. So have a great rest of your Saturday. We'll see you tomorrow with a Sabbath version where Barnabas and Saul get to go on their first mission trip and Paul 
Saul's name gets changed to Paul. Have a great day. Would you pour down like rain, washing my